Welcome one and all to episode 361 of Signals from Mars. I'm your host, Victor. And for this episode, we bring you a very special discussion about the band ACDC and their discography with my patrons. That's right, we're going to do a top 10, top 16 countdown actually, because they've released 16 studio albums. Does your favorite make the top of the list? We'll find out. I'm ready. Let's do it. If you're just interested in the countdown, fast forward to the five minute mark. In the meantime, I'm going to pay some bills, say some thank yous and all that great stuff. This episode is the perfect example of what we do on Patreon. We have one of these types of episodes once a month where the patrons get together. They vote those that want to appear on the show, appear on the show. And I explain this month after month when we do these types of shows. I essentially ask people to submit their top 10 list, in this case, ACDC albums. Some people didn't submit 10. They submitted whatever they wanted. Regardless, whatever their number one is gets 10 points. Number two gets nine points. Three gets eight points, all the way down to 10, which receives one point. From there, I compile a list of albums. In this case, there's 16 albums. All of them got voted on. And then we do the countdown. If you choose to appear on the show, you can. If you don't want to appear on the show, that's cool too. So long as you vote. Not everybody votes either. People sign up for Patreon for different reasons. If you do want to sign up for Patreon, it is patreon.com forward slash signals from Mars. You get one week free. And then from there, for as little as two bucks a month, you get my personal podcast, the Victor M. Ruiz podcast, which is a little different from this show. It gives you kind of behind the scenes as to what's going on with the show. Uh, I, you know, tell different stories about different people that I've interviewed over the years. Sometimes things come up when I discuss news on there as well, or different people are releasing albums. Talk about that kind of stuff as well. And I tell you about what's going on in my life. (laughs) Basketball, a lot of times... Uh, just different things, job searches, web design, so on and so forth. If you're interested, some people tell me that they prefer that show to this one. That's totally cool. You can support by signing up $10, $2 a month. There are various other options depending on what types of merch uh, you want to get. If you don't want to do merch, if you don't want to do Patreon, when we do the live show, I do flash different QR codes and the QR codes are for the different pieces of merch that I do offer. There's more available on the merch store. Just go to the website. It is signalsfromars.com. All the way to the right-hand side, you'll find merch. It's the same as what I flash up there. During the live show, or if you watch the replay on YouTube or Facebook or, or Twitch or, or Twitter, 
Regardless, go to signalsfromars.com. You'll find all the various social media platforms where you can stream the show live or listen or watch to repeats of the show. And today's countdown, not only do my two sons appear, <laughs> um, we have different people that I reach out to to vote, plus the patrons. We have Sean Richmond in the UK, Chris Sinzak from Decibel Geek Podcast. Spoke to him earlier this week. It was great to catch up. Thanks, Chris, for being a supporter. And check out Decibel Geek Podcast if you haven't already. Tony Espin in Barcelona. We have Anthony Mackey in Ireland. He is the great designer behind the logo and all the merch stuff that I'm talking about. He helped design the logo for all of that. We have Ed Ferguson in Kentucky. We have the metal politician Johan in Sweden. We have Metal Dan in California. We have Jose in Connecticut. We have the metal dentist Gabriel Ruiz. Brad Dahl from Yarg Metal. We have our Mike Jones. We have Jeremy Weltman, Twisted Steve Hoker, and we have Steven Saylor. Thank you all you guys for your support. And let's jump on into the episode. Welcome, everyone, to the August 25th edition of Signals from Mars. I'm your host, Victor. And for this week, we have a very special episode on ACDC. My patrons have voted. We have, they've all submitted their top 10 ACDC albums. This was neck and neck all week. There were six albums that could have easily taken number one. And the last two days, it all kind of got straightened out. So we're going to talk about all 16 ACDC studio albums because they all got voted on. So really, uh, we have a panel of people from all around the world here. We have Brad Dahl for now still in Utah. We have <laughs> Ed Ferguson in Kentucky. We have Johan in Sweden. Metal Dan in California, Jeremy Problem Child Weltman in the UK, and um, you're in the same house in Spain. You have me and my two kids, Roman and, and Adrian. So uh, how's everyone doing tonight? Great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we're, we're mixing the old with the new here. Uh, we often hear about how young people don't like listening to the music that we like listening to. Uh, my old, well, both of my kids were listening to some Testament earlier today. Mm. So outside of that, they've been listening to plenty of ACDC putting their list together. So we're going to start things off here in a second, but we've got, one of the bands where a lot of people aren't split so much because Bond died, but I think there's a lot of people that have a preference and maybe give Brian Johnson more of a pass because of the fact that Bond died and it isn't a Van Halen situation, for example, with David Lee Roth and Sammy, with one being replaced for the other and flip-flopping 
and this and that. So there's two things I think that we need to take into account. One is what album ends up being number one. And who of the two singers have more albums in the top 10? (laughs) So we'll see. We're going to kick things off right now. Album number 16. Rock or bust? Yeah. Who wants to mention something about rock or bust? I'll say something since I just listened to it last night. Um, I mean, musically, it's kind of okay, uh, but lyrically, it, it's it's kind of like they didn't write a lot of lyrics. Kind of went with the, just chanting the chorus over or the the title of the song over and over. Um, so it, it kind of just felt like they didn't really put a lot of work into it. I mean, it's a, it's a decent sounding album, uh, but to me, it did it didn't make my top ten. Correct. Yeah, it's not on mine either, and it's got to be probably the last one. On all agreed, the album's not great, but the highlighted song is "Caught with Your Pants Down." <laughs> While the lyrics are stupid, it's just a great riff. It is a great riff. You're you, you're not wrong, Dan. It, it's yeah. a, there's a lot of great riffs on there, but it's just the I think lyrically, it I don't know what was going on there. Well. I mean, a lot of people consider maybe Bond to be a little bit more thrifty with his words, <laughs> whereas maybe Brian is a little bit more blunt with what uh, he has to say. Let me cut your cake with my knife. For Ooh. example, but that's that's debatable. More we'll, subtle, we'll, subtle. Yeah, we'll 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 get to that. Later on, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, because there are some theories on that. We'll cut that cake when we get to it. We'll cut that cake when we get to it. There you go. All right. Moving on here. Number 15. Black Ice. The album that came out right before Rocker Bust. Yeah. Any anyone want to speak on Black Ice? I I think it was a better album than um, than uh, Rocker Bust. I I think uh, sound wise it was pretty pretty darn good. The songs seemed like they actually worked on them. Um, I thought I thought it was a good listen. Didn't make my top ten though, but I I, I didn't. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna tell you there there none of these albums that I was like I can't listen to this anymore. So. Right. And, and I think that's a point. That's something that I spoke to um, Chris Vaglio, who's one of the patrons as well. He mentioned how some of these albums maybe aren't as strong as others, but still have mm-hmm. good it's material on them. Yeah. They still have, you know, two to three songs that are pretty good on each of them. And he pointed out how especially the last few albums sonically all sounded really good, regardless whether the material was as good or not. Dan, yeah. go ahead. Well, so, so to me, it's, it made my top 10 list. I barely got it in there. Yeah. I think it's a good album. It has some good songs. I really like big Jack. That's, yeah, it's, that a, is it's a hit. Best Anything song. goes is a great uh, song and war machine. I mm. it's, it's an anthem. So there's enough in there for it to be, uh, quality album. 
So, Dan, do you like it well enough to listen to 16 tracks worth of Black Ice ACDC? Yeah, I know it's a long yeah, album. Probably 10 out of 16. But yeah, I could listen to that album again. I, I kind of yeah. enjoy that one. Cool. Now, that's the last one that Malcolm played on, correct? Mm, you're probably right. Okay, so I'm wondering if at that point they thought Malcolm was deteriorating maybe because he had dementia in the end. That isn't something where, pardon the pun, you don't just flip the switch and it just happens. You know, people start to deteriorate little by little. So I'm wondering if that was a case where they saw the writing on the wall and said, let's record as many songs as we can. That's a good point, because you're right. That is the last album he's on. Um, it looks like Steve Young actually played on. Oh, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. That's Rocker Bust. Mm. Black Ice, okay. Yeah, yeah why yeah. there's so many songs, I don't remember. Uh, I was surprised at that. It didn't need that many, but I've listed the, the highlighted songs, and they're good enough. Miss yeah, I, I actually really like uh, Stormy Mayday off of this. It's kind of different for them with the slide guitar. But that's right. kind of why that song has always kind of stood out to me. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting thing to throw in there after all these years. I yeah. don't know who, who played that, but. Because uh, um, they're obviously a, a inf heavily influenced by the blues. blues. Oh, yeah. Huge. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about a band that really injected blues into hard rock or metal, it's ACDC. I mean, let's let's be honest. So it, that is very interesting because, I mean, you looked at you look at Led Zeppelin, you look at how many people copied what Jimmy Page did on the slide, especially within the hair metal genre and then bands like Tesla and stuff like that did it. So for one of them, one of the young brothers to all of a sudden whip out a slide after like 40 years was kind of interesting. So. All right. So let's see. Do we follow kind of a trend here? And I will say that this next album got a lot more votes than the first two that were on the list here. So at number 14, actually got more votes than both of those albums combined. <laughs> I should say that. Wow. Stiff Upper Lip. Yeah. So this album came out in 2001. 2000. 2000? Yes. Okay. Excuse me. Thank you for yeah. the correction. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. 2000. <laughs> Very good, kid. But, uh, yeah, so the thing that always stood out to me from this album was when 9-11 happened, they banned a lot of this. Well, they banned the singles off of this, mm. off, of, uh, off of radio, especially Safe, from, Safe in New York City was the last song that they brought back out of all of these because... Wow. Uh, the title track, Satellite Blues, and, and Safe in New York City got played a lot in the area where I was living at the time. 
And I remember when the six months had passed, the, the station that we listened to at my job said, they actually explained it on the air. They said this song could not be played due to the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Somebody put this on a list saying that it may be offensive to people. Six months have passed. We can now play this song again. And they played it. I don't know how many times that day. And they made a point of it saying, hey, you know, the song is what we all feel. We feel that we're safe in New York City and we're with New York and, and so on and so forth. Brad, go ahead. Yeah, I have a question since you were there. Right. On Do you find any of these songs on this album offensive or a little too too soon? I don't find any music at all offensive uh, when it came to that. I thought it was a lot like the satanic panic movement in the mm -hmm. 80s where people were looking at something to blame or people were, I don't know, too much time on their hands. Look, they banned albums by a lot of different bands. And if you want to look at something that was kind of egregious, uh, Machine Head had released a single called Crashing Around You. And the chorus to the song was, your whole world comes crashing around you. And Roadrunner instantly pulled all publicity on that album uh, because of it. They were dropped shortly thereafter be because of it. Uh, that could probably be what... What I could be, what I could see as being the, mo the the most harming or damning, but they had nothing to do with that. Yeah, you know, they they didn't plan with a jihadist <laughs> to to do something through their lyrics. I mean, to me, that's that's silly. It's it's no different again than what the PMRC was trying to do. What. Uh, every school shooting that's been blamed on music and, and whatnot. Um, I, I think it's the same thing. And, and, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Chris Rock said it best. What was Hitler listening to? Are we now going to, are we now going to make Brown from Beethoven and stuff like that? Because that was his favorite music. So it's, it's, oh, I, want, I want that on a t-shirt. Well, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Um, Come on, I'll be in Idaho. It'll be <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, for that album, the only song that I really recognize is Stiff Upper Lip, or is uh, Safe in New York City. It's it's not much for me, uh, but maybe somebody else has a better opinion on that album. Yeah, uh, I'll say, because I, I listened to this last night. When it first started out, I thought the songs were kind of like, eh, you know, pretty average. But something happened about four or five songs in and I was driving through a Canyon, a dark Canyon, really windy and stuff. And I was like, man, this, this is really groovy stuff. I mean, it is kind of broken down kind of almost, um, I mean, very blue, very kind of old school bluesy where you don't really have the drums doing a whole lot. And it, but it, but it was cool. It was good. It was really good. It had me in a good vibe. I'm like, yeah, this is this song, this album's, it's going to make my list. So that's why, that's why I made a number 10 on my list because it just made me feel good. So there you go. Cool. All right. Let's uh, move on here to number 13. Let, let, let me find the actual release date. So I'm not corrected again. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Can, can you throw a Rush album here so we can hear from Johan? I was funny. I, I put all the ACDC albums behind me today. I didn't wait uh, until the last <laughs> second. And as, <laughs> as I'm going through everything, Rush albums kept coming up. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, Johan is channeling. He's, he's sending his uh, good, good vibrations my way here. <laughs> At number 13, with puffed up hair, a Floyd Rose in uh, an SG, and different production sound. Fly on the wall. Released in, uh, let's see here, released in June. June 28th. It's actually my son Roman's birthday. June 28th. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, this, I remember, was a big deal for me because it was ACDC debuting a video on MTV. It was the first time that they had done it. And also, it, it had the um, animation mixed in with live action footage. So you had the fly all over the, uh, it was the Sync the Pink video, which, which was also like a new concept. So uh, who wants to mention something about fly on the wall? <laughs> Go ahead, Johan. Yeah. Hey, I'm here. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, I like that album. It's, uh, 80s production and so, but I think when it came, as you said, Victor, it felt fresh. It felt like, uh, ACDC are back in the game, you know, it was, uh, yeah. And they, I mean, here in Sweden, they sold out, of course, Stockholm and Gothenburg. So, uh, it's a good album and uh, perhaps not the best, but yeah, I like it. Dan, go ahead. So this is the album that probably excited me the most out of this whole experience, which was a headache of a homework assignment of trying to put a top 10 list of ACDC albums, probably one of the best bands ever. Um, this album, while I knew when it came out, you know, I remember then I appreciate it more now as I've gotten older I've probably listened to this album now a dozen times over and over, keep going back to it, and the songs just keep growing on me. So here we go. I got something out of this homework assignment by really loving this album more than ever before, and I'd put it in my uh, replay list now from now on. Uh, nice. The the song uh, First Blood, I take out the first 28 seconds and just let Brian rip into it. But other than that, the songs are catchy and groovy. Uh, great guitars by the, the Youngs. The lyrics are great. Phenomenal album. I probably should have had a higher on my list. That's how much I love this album now. That's it. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Ed, for you, what was it like to hear them with a slightly different production sound and, and see them trying a few things here that they hadn't done in the past? Yeah, it, it was a bit of a letdown. You know, I'm listening to this compared to Blow Up Your Video today. You notice that on this record, even though the guitars were still out there and in your face, um, the vocals got that big reverb sound on it. And then on Blow Up Your Video, they kind of took another step and put that more reverby sound on the guitars as well. So this was kind of like a transition in their sound that was 
kind of disappointing compared to those Mutt Lang records. But, you know, I was 15, 1985. You listen to what you can get. So even if you're disappointed with a record, even like I was with the Motley Crue album that year, that's still what I listened to all summer long because that's what I had. And I found, just like Dan, Dan said some great words about the record, I agree with it all. And like him, I've grown to like it more and more over time. And sometimes it's a refreshing record to put on. And, um, it, you know, as, I flick the switch is a record that is probably more my style, but I'm kind of surprised at how much I've listened to fly on the wall now compared to maybe flick of the switch. Wow. So good, good, good album. And Dan has some great comments. Excellent. All right. So at, Number 12 is an album that Ed just mentioned. <laughs> Blow Up Your Video. Blow Up Your Video came out in January of 1988. And for me, obviously, Heat Seeker had come out, was the first single off of this. And Iron Maiden, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, came out. If not mm-hmm. the same day, it came out a few weeks apart. Because on Fridays, the radio station that I listened to was um, WNEW out of New York. And you had Scott Muni. And Scott Muni had a show called Things from England. And Scott Muni had a real deep voice. This is Scott Muni with Things from England. <laughs> And next we have ACDC and blow up your... Er, no, that's... Um, I keep forgetting that this doesn't have a title track. I always thought that that's the way I want my rock and roll was kind of like the, the title track yep. to this. So he played uh, Iron Maiden's Can I Play With Madness and this back-to-back. And that's always stuck in my mind because it was so cool because... At the time, ACDC obviously wasn't getting the same play that they were previous to that with, you know, the, the huge albums that they had. So to me, it was a big deal that a newer ACDC song was getting on the radio. Um, that's why I always have a, a, a certain spot, you know, in my heart for uh, Blow Up Your Video. Anyone else want to mention something about this album? You know, this is, I, uh, uh, yeah, yep. yeah, go ahead, Johan. Go right ahead. Uh, this one is one of my personal favorites uh, because I bought uh, concert tickets almost at the same time as the dates for the album. I, you know, it was similar to the album release. So, uh, this is my first real ACDC, you know. When I met, when I, uh, you know, uh, 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 introduced. Yes. Thank you, Victor. To ACDC uh, live. Uh, I think the album is great. It's have, I listened to it now this week again. Uh, I mean, like a song like uh, Two's Up. It's, uh, that's a great, that's a great hard rock song. Um, 
this is one of my favorite albums because the first time I saw them and uh, I like the sound of it uh, as well as Fly on the Wall, it felt fresh because I was 15 or 16. So, yeah. It was, yeah, I love this album. It's a great uh, album. How was the concert, Johan? Yeah, five plus, docking opened. Great. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gothenburg, packed stadium. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wish cool. I could have been there. Yeah. Ed, go ahead. This is probably the first album they put out that I didn't rush out and buy because I was, I was too much, I was spending too much time listening to uh, Testament. Anthrax, Metallica, all those bands at that time. But, you know, they had the videos on MTV all the time for this record. So I was still hearing all the hit songs. And then I, too, saw them live. The one and only time I saw them. Mm. They came here, unfortunately, not with Dokken. Boy, that would have been great. I, I had to uh, sit through L.A. Guns, which was not my thing. But uh, and also, sadly, Malcolm was in a treatment center, so I didn't get to see him either. Right. Oh, but wow. you know, I was still thrilled to be there and to witness Angus Young, you know, live. And they did all the they did all the great tunes they do. To see Hell's Bells live was was great. I'll never forget it. I was eighteen at the time, so that's a big teenage memory for me too. So even though I didn't care that much for this record, it has memories tied to it, and I'm enjoying it as I get older. So yeah, so this one too is also a grower that I appreciated more. I didn't have room for it in my 10, but I think it could be there as well too. Um, it's a dumb album title, and it's a dumb um, cover for an album. That hurts it. But the songs are there. Ending with This Means War. That's a good one. And give me some of that rough stuff. There's just, there's a kissing dynamite. Come on. So there's another, just a great round of songs. I could listen to the album more now and appreciate it more now that this came out. You know, it's funny, it's funny, Dan, you'd say that because I hadn't heard the album till just the other day. And maybe it was last night even. But yeah, looking at the cover, I was expecting this to be really goofy. And and it wasn't. I was like, well, yeah, it's like the cover was really not. I don't know whose idea it was, but bad idea. Uh, and the title too, blow up your video. It just sounded like a. I mean, I realize it's a line out of the song, but I think they could have done better. This this must have been the war with MTV or whatever going on yeah. at the time. I imagine it was the industry of where they were at in their mind, and they weren't visioning ahead, and they were just stuck in the moment. I assume. Yeah, because I didn't. I don't think I bought it when it came out, simply because of how dumb it looked. But the songs are there. Yeah, I think it it's along those lines where MTV was kind of taking over for radio, so it was almost like the hard rock equivalent of Video Killed the Radio Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, I think they were trying to go for that without realizing that in a few years the cover would look kind of goofy. Um, my brother did see them on this tour, similar deal as Ed with LA guns. And, um, and yeah, and when you mentioned that Steve young had played with them, I, I mm -hmm. remember that he had mentioned that as well. So, um, 
I'm trying to think. I, I, I found an old T-shirt that my brother had from the concert, and it was Angus, similar to the album cover, but instead of like being in front of the video, I think he was in front of a missile because of Heatseeker. Mm-hmm. That's so. a good first song on the album. Yeah. Good way to start it out. Yeah, they yeah. they got it all there. They just uh, they just messed up the the what the title is. So, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised Heatseeker hasn't gotten more play in their uh, set list hmm. years after because I, I thought similar. It was a, a good song to kick off a show, or or maybe after playing one of the more bluesier tracks, you come back with Heatseeker to kind of get people back you know, pumped up and, and going again. So anybody remember what they opened the show with on this tour? Yeah. They opened with, uh, who met who? Oh, Oh, good one. Good opener. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, when the second guitar came in, uh, girls came up in a, in an elevator behind the stage so it was, ah, uh, oh, that was very cool. Very cool. Yeah. You know, one thing about ACDC I find interesting in all of their artwork is that Angus is the only one who gets on the album covers. Pretty much. Right? Wrong about that? He's this? kind of the, ma- they made him the mascot with the uh, yeah. uniform, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it, he, they're a band that they didn't have like an Eddie or something. They just had Angus and he was in the band. <laughs> and thankfully or whatever, he embraced it rather than shy away from it. Mm, right. <laughs> will he do it as a 70 year old man in India yeah. uh, at next uh, two months? I don't. Yes, he will. <laughs> You'll probably still moon everybody too. That's the, that, I hope he does. That's the moneymaker. <laughs> I hope Brian can still support him, you know, put him on his shoulders. That little guy, he's, he's small like me. And, he's a uh, the kids. He's got a big heart. Yeah, so I want to say a quick hello to Jose in the chat, who's uh, joining us as well. Uh, also, quickly, just remember, guys, that uh, and now, of course, this disappeared. But uh, like last week, you can support the show by checking out the merch. So now and then I will be flashing... QR codes for the merch. If anyone is so inclined to pick something up, scan the QR code and it will take you right to the merch store and it will help the show out tremendously. Great looking shirt. Absolutely. Great looking logo that uh, Anthony Mackey designed for us. All right. So at number 11, an album for the tour in which I first saw them on. It is Ball Breaker. Album came out in... 95. 95. All right. So the, the joke for us, seeing, seeing them play at the old uh, Brendan Byrne Arena, Continental Airlines Arena, IZOD Center, and however other names the damn arena had, <laughs> is that we said from that show that we got to see Phil Rudd on TV, because from where we were seated, where the amps and the lights were, you could only see him on the video screen. You could see everyone else, but you couldn't see Phil Rudd. 
they opened that tour up with Back in Black. Nice. So it was was kind of um, interesting and different, we thought. But uh, it was a great show. Uh, had uh, Beavis and Butthead come on the video screen beforehand mm-hmm. and get taken into a back room by the quote-unquote ball breaker. And uh, it made for uh, everyone to get all riled up and ready for the show. It was pretty cool. We actually had on that tour, we had The Poor open up. And The Poor had a family connection to them as well because the lead singer was, um, I believe, Malcolm's nephew or something like that. Uh, The Poor's only remotely big song in the U.S., they're an Australian band as well, was a song called More Wine Waiter Please. So I don't know if any of you guys remember that song. But uh, it got it got airplay in New York. And then once um, our local station Q104 went back to classic rock and stopped playing newer music, it disappeared altogether. But uh, anyway, Ball Breaker at 11. Who wants to mention something about Ball Breaker? I think it got a much better production than the last record with uh, Rick Rubin coming in. Right. He gave it a big sound again. Yeah. That helped. That helps me like it. And it's got good tracks on it, too. This one and Stiff Upper Lip are probably my two favorite of the, uh, you know, everything from that point on. I have a hard time enjoying the last three that they released. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this one sounds good and has some good tracks. It's kind of like Stiff Upper Lip. It's got a lot of that boogie sound with uh of course it's always blues with acdc yeah right. i i i kind of like the blow up your video i expected because of the title that i, I was going to be stupid but it wasn't um in fact i really like this album a lot and i find it very conspicuous that jeremy's being so quiet about all this is he not going to come jumping in here till we get to the bond albums is that what he's waiting for is he a maybe okay maybe all right fair enough fair enough yeah, I, I I think he's waiting his turn till the top ten, and then that's uh, okay. He's All he's right. he's saving himself. I'm real curious to hear what he thinks about these albums that he's not talking about, or is he the yeah? Uh, being- well, I I well, they're not my favorite albums. Most of these albums I didn't vote sure, for. But- uh, I think I vote for Stiff Upper Lip in my top ten, but none of the others. And to be honest, it was a bit of a wasted time for me. You know, after sort of eighty three onwards. Didn't really like a lot of the stuff they, they brought out, to be honest. I thought they were just uh, rehashing the formula. So, you know, yeah. to me, there's not not a great deal of uh, excitement as, as the 80s and sort of into the 2000s went on. So I'm not surprised that those six albums, are, you know, they're all between 85 and 2014, aren't they? Yep. So, yeah. Okay. What's it like <laughs> in the UK when they're considered yeah. an Australian band, considering... Most of the members are born in, in the UK. Yeah, and Scotland, yeah. Well, apart from Brian Johnson, of course, who's a, a Geordie. Right. But, yeah. But what, what's the question? How, how are they appreciated? Or Yeah. Are, do British people get pissed off that they're considered an Australian band as opposed to a UK band? Or do they not care? Mm. 
they don't care. They they absolutely love the band here. I mean, they're they're probably the top rock band in the UK. I mean, I I don't know anybody who doesn't know ACDC. In fact, I asked my dad today, who's eighty three. Have you ever heard of ACDC? And bear in mind that he's never heard any heavy metal band or Kiss or anyone. But he said, "Yeah, I, I've heard of ACDC." Everybody knows ACDC. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Your father wasn't an electrician, was he? He he kind of was, yeah. <laughs> hey, I have a question. You know, speaking of the band and how they're taken globally, they're from Australia. Or no, sorry, they're not. Wait, yes. <laughs> In Australia, on the Conan O'Brien special that they had, they said that they pronounce it Akadaka. Mm-hmm. Is that mm. true or bullshit? I guess I got to ask the guys from Airborne one day. Um, I'm sure that you could call them ACDC, but they're probably called uh, Akadaka as, as, as well by people there. You also have to figure that in Australia, in Australia, they also say Adidas. So that's and that's how my dad told me. And he's from Germany. So that's the thing. Well, and, and it's and it's a German company, so mm. you would know. All right, so let's recap 16 through 11 quickly here. At 16, we had Rocker Bust, 15, Black Ice. Uh, let's see, 14, Stiff Upper Lip. 13, Fly on the Wall. 12, Blow Up Your Video. 11, Ball Breaker. And at 10, I don't know, man, this this album doesn't get as much love as some of the others, but I think the title track to this has a quintessential opening riff to it that every time that I listen to it, that riff and that chorus gets stuck in my head. And the opposite of having an all-black album is having an all-white album, and that is Flick of the Switch. So uh, we have Flick of the Switch, which came out in 83. All right, Ed, go ahead. So this is the first one they did without Mutt. It shows. uh, Produced it themselves. Yeah, the guitars sound awful. So you can definitely tell the different sound. What did you say, Brian? I thought the guitars sound awful on this album. I mean, really? I've never heard anybody song. say that about it. Well, there you go. It's got more of a garage rock yeah. sound. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. less produced, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people enjoy. Um, I wish they had kind of kept that sound on the next two records. I think Blow Up Your Video would sound a lot better with that flick of the switch production even. But uh, no, I agree with Brad. It's the guitars that are muddy, and that's the reason why the album flopped as it did when it came out. It had a yeah. different sound than the other ones, and we all panned it growing up when it came out. Um, yes. And also, the song order is messed up. The Flick of the Switch should be the opening song. So they screwed up. I don't know what they were thinking. So and there's some good songs on it. But that's the problem with the album. It's a muddier sound. Johan loves this record, I think. Yeah, I do. It's uh, 
for me, it's an uh, it's the album for you know uh, for let's see, I pronounce this right, but for connoisseurs, yeah, connoisseurs, yeah, connoisseurs, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is a, a great rock and roll album. I think it's uh, the sound of it is like they made it. They made it at home, but. Uh, great songs and a feel to it. Uh, I think it's better now in 2023 than it was in 2083 when it was released. So, uh, 1983. Uh, but um, I think this is a uh, this is a great album, and it's a it's a grower. It's a mm. it it has something. I I love this album. It is um, it's yeah, like for as I said for for connoisseurs, it's like it's good. It's, it's really good. I don't. Well, let's do it again. I, I what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think the songs are better than on the previous album. To be honest, I think it's uh, the, the actual songs are you know an improvement over overall. So you know, I'd, I'd agree with you. I quite like it. Roman, you're you're shaking your head. You're agreeing. What's your what's your thoughts on Flick of the Switch? Um, I don't know. I just uh, like the music in in this um, album. Is is there any song that stands out to you off of the album? Um, I think it's uh, Badlands. Badlands. Yes. Okay. yes. I don't know. I think it was that song. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that they played Badlands live when they they toured this. If I'm not mistaken. So. Cool. Yeah, landslide and guns for hire, and then of course the number three track that should have been. Take out the first two and put that in. You have a better album. Flick of the switch. Mm. And it's a good album cover. Yeah. Cool. But uh, for the record, I'm surprised that uh, in this community, I thought that uh, flick of the switch would be higher. Me too. Yep. Yeah. I, th- uh. I think what, what happens in the in the end is what we've always talked about. You have to consider what um, what albums are ahead of it. Yep. Also, a lot of it also has to do with when you caught on with the band, and and we'll we'll come back to that in a few choices as you guys will see. But uh, anyway, all right. At number ten, there is Flick of the Switch. So first album at number or within the top 10 is a Brian Johnson album. Let's see. Mm. At number nine. Hold on. What are you trying to say by chat? Uh, That somebody is in that chat, I mean. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be power up. Oh. I'm curious yeah, how high it's going to go. Uh, the chat is uh, Tony Espin. Flick of the Switch was my 
first ACDC album. See that? Uh, so I'm sure, Tony, the album probably is very special for you because of that. Cool. Let's see. Let's uh, move forward here at nine. Dan is saying that he thinks it will be Power Up. Hmm. I'm kind of impressed Power Up's going to make the top 10. Thank you. We're in the top 10. We are in the top 10 at number nine. An album that kind of rejuvenated their popularity. I'm wrong. A new drummer as well. It's not Power Up. It's not Power power Up. The Razor's Edge. The Razor's Edge. Yeah. That's a good album. (laughs) This album was fucking massive. Yes, it was. It was huge. Um, Although someone that is here who hates the song Thunderstruck. Overplayed. (laughs) Um, uh, Thunderstruck, Money Talks, The Razor's Edge, Are You Ready, Mistress for Christmas. All these songs got a lot of airplay at least in the New York area. Go ahead, Adrian. This um, was not in my... uh, I mean, this album wasn't in my top five because there were um, more albums that I loved. There there were other albums that you loved more than this one. Yeah, that's weird. But there are songs (laughs) off of this, like Thunderstruck, uh, like Are You Ready, that you still play a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, wait, again, wait. Do, you, do you want a Mistress for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> That's a silly song. What, it is. I, I was, when, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, really, guys? Well, it, it, it was Mistress for Christmas and the Ramones Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight that they'd always play back to back on, on New York oh, radio. Okay. So, you know, Thunderstruck, the guitar riff influenced many bands, many bands rip that off years later. You know, Angus is ahead of his time when he does it. It's used everywhere. They make a lot of money off of that, but fire your guns. They should also play that one a lot because that fire your guns could be in any of the ACDC albums from bond to, to today with Brian. Hmm. Yeah, this th- this album again, like I said, was was a huge return to form for them from a popularity standpoint because they were everywhere with this. They were all over MTV. It allowed them to headline, you know, Donington and put out that live album that they recorded at Donington, if I'm not mistaken. Jeremy, is that correct? It, it, that album does come from that show, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. Mm. And and to their credit, <laughs> that's like one of the and we've we've talked about this a lot lately, the the whole live album thing. I think ACDC Live is like an end of an era uh, to an extent because I mean there are plenty of big big time live albums from the 70s. There's a few from the 80s. And then after this live album, which was pretty live because you hear Angus break strings and stuff like that and go out of tune in certain spots, 
after this, I think live albums just became very homogenized and boring where it was. All right, big deal. I'll just listen to the live album, which, or excuse me, the studio album, which kind of sounds better anyway. You know, a lot of these live albums became kind of lifeless. Didn't sound live at all. You know, and, so, and some of the ones that were re-recorded in the 70s sounded very live and very full of life, whereas a lot of what came out after just kind of didn't. So uh, anyway, I'm yammering here about Razor's Edge. Anyone else want to mention something about this album? I misspoke earlier. I forgot about this album in particular. This is the one the album where they had a little better sounding production compared to Blow Up Your Video. Didn't have so much of the reverb and sounded much, much better. So I think that helped their case too, especially with the, the singles that were so popular off this record. Just it overall had a really good sound. Yep. He's right. Yeah, I think this is the first one that they recorded up in Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Because then after Fairbank. Yeah, Bruce Fairbairn and then Mike Frazier, who originally was the engineer, he started producing everything after he's produced everything after Ball Breaker, basically. Mm. So Johan, go ahead. Yeah, I uh I did see them on this tour uh, in Sweden, uh, Gothenburg as well, uh, packed arena. And uh, I remember that it was, uh, you felt that they had gone to another level with uh, Thunderstruck. I mean, it was the sound in the arena. You didn't hear Thunderstruck. I, you can almost hear the, the first song. It was amazing was uh mm. you felt that you know acdc have gone over the the level that they used to be before and uh king sex opened king oh, six wow. yeah cool and they didn't receive that uh massive <laughs> you know <laughs> it was a different <laughs> thing <laughs> but uh yeah that's what I want to say. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Razor's Edge. All right. So two in the top ten from Brian Johnson. At number eight. Power up. Wow. Wow. So and, and there are. Two people in the center of the screen here who have a lot to do with that, because like I mentioned, where you kind of jump on the train here with any band is almost always going to be your your favorite or your number one. So uh, for both of my kids, I know for them, it was exciting. Wow. A new ACDC album. We'd been listening to ACDC, but they had never experienced a new ACDC album. So for them, it was a big deal. And I remember also they were at the time playing a lot of Fortnite and Fortnite had an ACDC night where it was a 20 minute concert, basically. It was like an event. It was an event. Yeah, it was an ACDC event where you could play and it was ACDC music playing in the background and and they appeared, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, the end of uh, the Marvel season, uh, one yes. song appeared. Okay. So what makes this album uh, f- uh, special for you, Roman? Um, I really like all of the songs. Okay. They're um, really good. Okay. Uh, Adrian, for you? Um, it's, the songs are really good. I remember hearing it when I used to play, play Roblox, a game about cars that I loved, and I always listened to it. Okay. And ex- explain from your standpoint what I just said. You guys had listened to ACDC a lot at home, and it was, you know, I think maybe I had played Thunderstruck for you guys, but you guys had kind of taking it from there and started discovering ACDC on your own. What was it like when you found out, hey, they're putting out a new album. This is new music that I've never heard from them before. What, what was it like? Um, I was really surprised they were making uh, more music because I thought they, um, they separated and they weren't uh, going to make more music. Okay, so for so you... So I was really happy that they made more music. Okay. And uh, for you, what's, what's some of your favorite songs? You say you like all of them, but... Uh, yeah. My favorites are Realize, Rejection, and Witch is Pale. Okay. Adrian, what about for you? What, what are uh, some... My favorite songs are uh, Witch is Pale and uh, Realize and... Why did you, why did they kick you when you're down? Okay. Cool. The The other thing, too, is they're not the only ones that voted for this album. I mean, this made my top ten as well. It made a bunch of other people's lists as well. And it could be familiarity because it was the most recent release and a lot of people still have it kind of fresh in their mind and maybe they're they're still playing it. I know that we still play... Uh, this album from time to time. And also for, for a lot of people, it was, it was a return to form. I don't think anyone expected this album to be as, as strong as it was in my opinion. Now, obviously not everyone loves this album, but after, after the few that came out before it, I mean, between Ball Breaker and now, this this is my favorite album without a doubt. And going back even before that, maybe even going all the way back to Back in Black, it may be my favorite. So, uh, Brad, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, after listening to Black Eyes and then Rocker Bust, this was very um, like a breath of fresh air when this album came on. I was like, okay. This is, uh, I mean, well done, guys. I mean, kind of bringing the best of the last 30 years uh, and putting it on an album. And uh, it's, it's very nice to listen to. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, I got, I got kind of fatigued with Black Ice and Rocket Bust. I was just kind of like, okay, come on, something's got to get more interesting here. And then it didn't happen until this album came on. Okay. Very enjoyable. I enjoyed listening to every song. Okay. Anyone else want to mention something about Power Up? I think it has one of their coolest album covers. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it looks great. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I wonder if that's. I don't even know what's going on there in the background. If if that's a actual... stage, it looks like. With, yeah. uh, but but I wonder, is it actually a stage? Because they didn't tour for this album. Maybe not. Yeah. It came out in the middle of COVID. Maybe it's computer generated, you know? Or but the coloring of that record is super, super yes. cool. Yeah. 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 You know, having you know, because I was listening to this stuff in the in the truck. And the the album cover booms up on the on the dash, yeah. and that one really like yeah that's cool that that kind of gave a good you know kind of red aura to the uh, the cab of the truck there at one in the morning and <laughs> yeah it was yeah yeah everything yeah good album nice job okay sorry Thank Jeremy <laughs> uh, I guess the thing that the album cover is is very cool. You think it's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, all right. So three albums in the top 10 from Brian Johnson so far. Hmm. At number seven. Oh, I messed this up, didn't I? No, I didn't. Okay. At, at number seven, another Brian Johnson album. For those about to rock. So for those about to rock, obviously right. followed up back in black, which that that was kind of a no win situation <laughs> because first of all, you're follow, you're still kind of following up Bond, even though back in black came out, but there's still the just the hugeness of um of back in black itself and you have to follow it up with with another album for a lot of people <laughs> back in black is a perfect album so this came out in november, november 81 i think 81 yeah and uh you guys are saying that it was still it was still produced by mutt lang and yeah. This was one that a lot of people mentioned when they sent their lists in. More than one person said, wow, I forgot how much I really like this album. So for, for those about to rock, who wants to speak on this one? All right, Roman, go ahead. Um, this album, I only have uh, one song that I really like, but that one song is really good. What song is that? It, for those about to rock, we salute you. <laughs> Excellent. That's by far the most known song off of this album, obviously, because it's the song that they close all their shows with. Um, but it's it's definitely a classic. It sounds like an opening song. I mean, it's it's a great way to open the album. I mean, the way they... Oh, yeah, it's good. Adrian, go ahead. Uh yeah, uh, what Roman said, um, I only like one song, yeah, that one, for those about to rock. Okay. Dan, go ahead. So, yeah, this album was kind of set up after Back in Black to 
not fail, but it, it didn't hit the same and it came out. And I think the sound, and I'm going to say the same thing as Flick of the Switch, it got a little muddier. It's not as crisp and clear as Back in Black. The songs are there, but it just doesn't have that. If they could have gotten the guitars and such just a little bit like that, it would have been even a bigger It could have been a huge success. Uh, I think that's what hurt it. And I remember that at the time, that it just didn't sound the same. But that being said, Snowballed is a great song from the album. That's, mm-hmm. not, black, that's not for those about to rock. But when this concert, and I didn't go, I was, I don't know if I was, I was just too young. They had a cannon set up along, and that's in video somewhere. So yeah. when they currently do the cannon sounds, their um, audio clips that they use. Well, back in those days, they were actual, and I'm told, cannons. Not with balls in it, but <laughs> they fired them off, and it was the big boom. That it's I got goosebumps just now. They fired those cannons off in the background and just nailed it. And it was what a what a what a show, you know. I I wasn't there live, but I got, I got to see it, you know, on video. And then people have talked about it. And it's like what an experience. Yeah, the vi- the video is a classic as well. It's in black and white, and it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, that was when pyro was pyro. It was literally. You know, they were, the cannons were exploding. They, they, they weren't, like you said, there weren't sound samples. It wasn't, you know, pretend fire like a a lot of bands are using, like Priest, for example. Um, It was, you know, real fire, real fireworks were being used on stage to, for, for a lot of those sounds. So. Uh, anyone else want to mention something about for those about to rock? All right. Moving on then. So far, Brian Johnson sweeping the top 10. <laughs> He's running out of gas, though. You think? Yeah. <laughs> or steam. Is there any songs about steam in here? Um, you're running out of power. There you go. That's that's often said uh, throughout their catalog. All right. So at number six. And on the eighth day, they said. Let there be let rock. there be rock. Oh. All of these remaining six albums. We're in the running for number one until basically yesterday where there was a, a clear cut two. but mm-hmm. the, the top six are, are very, they're, they're fairly close to one another. <clears throat> so who wants to talk about, let there be rock. Come on, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's an amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing album. Um, bon Scott at his best. I mean, you you can't you can't say which of the the Bon Scott era albums would be top really because there's so many great songs on each one. I mean, you know, just running through some of the songs on it. I mean, the Go, Go Down starts off in a nice fashion, um, but you know, you go through. You got Bad Boy Boogie. Uh, what have you got? You've got uh, Hell ain't a bad place to be. Hell ain't a bad place to be. And of course, what she ends riff. up with Hola. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And ends up with, um, we got a whole lot of Rosie 
on there, which is the song that we used to um, we used to actually dance, or I say dance to, sort of headbang to at parties when we were kids. <laughs> I mean, Whole Lot of Rosie was probably one of the most popular ACDC songs in the UK at the time. Uh, and it still is, you know, uh, obviously, a, you know, one of the fans' favorites on, when they're on tour. Great song. And it's, and however the crowd picked it up that they're all chanting Angus as they play Rosie, I don't know what that does for uh, Angus himself, but. Mm. And it's probably the first riff that you kind of learn on the guitar. Is that? It's one of those first ones that you learn when you're learning rock guitar, isn't it? Yes. All right. Anyone else want to say something about Let There Be Rock? Uh, Yeah, I will. Uh, This is my number one record. And as much as I love Back in Black, uh, this one has Bon Scott. And just this record to me just is the perfect representation of hard rock ACDC. And this is also titled, or it's... um, it's tied to my first memory of discovering the metal shock we talked about before right. the radio program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was 13, like in or 14 in eighth grade. And I'm up late in my room. That show would come on at midnight and I'm scanning through the radio stations in the dark. And, um, I turned onto a station that was playing the song, let there be rock. And it, and I had heard of ACDC, like Back in Black. I'd seen their records at friends' houses and heard people talk about, you know, Dirty Deeds. And I'd seen the Left Through B-Rock album cover in my friend's sister's bedroom, but, you know, never really listened to it. But uh, I quickly got a cassette tape, put that in, and I got half of the song recorded. And then a few more songs with uh, Heavy Metal by Sammy Hagar and that woman from Tokyo from deep purple. And I had this uh, cassette tape that I listened to for the next year, just to death. And, but that catch, that was the first time I had heard, you know, let there be rock. And that just, that, that song I think is their ultimate song too, number one ACDC song. And um, man, the sound of Malcolm's Gretsch in that song, especially in those opening riffs, and the way they all just come together and create that big booming, let there be rock. I'm getting ready to preach to you the gospel of rock and roll. You yeah. know, have you ever seen the video? Have your kids ever seen the video to let there be rock? You need to show that to them sometime. It's uh, back here. Yeah. And then they did the movie, let there be rock. Uh, I Ooh. snuck out of the house one night <laughs> because they were playing it at the movie theater at the mall. Went over there and saw that movie, Let There Be Rock. Snuck back in after I was done. You kids should not do that. That was bad for me to do. <laughs> I was going to say, do kids still sneak out of the house? Roman, you want to feel that one? <laughs> I don't think they sneak out of the house anymore. But... No. I, I think my son did it once. <laughs> but, man, how awesome it was when I was 15, sitting in that movie theater, watching Angus and Bon Scott playing Let There Be Rock mm-hmm. on the stage, you know. That was just thrilling. Loved it. Cool. It's the closest thing to actually seeing them live. Yeah, it, it was for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's in that box set too that you just were showing there. Right. 
Yeah. Cool. Who else wants to say something about Let There Be Rock? All right. Moving on to number five. I've always gotten the order of their albums wrong. I realized that (laughs) by doing uh, this because I thought that this album was right before Highway to Hell, but it's actually their second album. It is Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap. Now, this was an album where, or the title track anyway, was it still gets played a lot. And this was something that when I went roller skating on weekends, I'd always request either this song or Crazy Train by Ozzy. Um, and it was probably the only rock music they would play the entire time that were well, they'd play queen and stuff like that from time to time. But th- this was the, the, the heaviest stuff that they would play if, if they would listen to me. So, uh, so yeah, I've, I've always had an affinity for, for this song, even if it did get played, it still gets played a million times. But uh, definitely a a very important song and and album. Um, Adrian, go ahead. Uh, uh, um, I love this album. Uh, uh, The 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 song is very good in. And one time, my favorite song was from the server. What song is that? Big, big balls. Oh, big balls! Of course. <laughs> 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 Did you remember? Uh, I remember back when I was eleven, twelve years old, when this record was released in '81. You know, the U.S. edition. That's when I really started hearing a lot about ACDC because all the kids were laughing about that song all the time. So that's funny that he brings that up. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Roman. Um, I really like this album too, um, but I have two songs that I like more than the others. Which songs are those? Dirty the Thunder Cheap and Big Balls. Oh, okay. <laughs> similar similar to your brother dan go ahead there's a stupid cover band in hollywood and they call themselves gay cdc and um, well they have their own version of that song and that's bad so i'm gonna get off that this is my uh first acdc album i ever purchased or ever yeah and at a young age uh it was uh it's an al it's an ugly album cover I, i don't get it i don't i that should have been changed. Um, it was changed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the The original is like a drawing of of Angus and Bon Scott. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it before. Oh, yeah. I don't recall that. Yeah, they're in like a pool hall. Right. And they got Bon's arm enlarged with a big tattoo. Correct. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to look that up. Because what they left with is, is not good. But um, I still appreciate the album now. Uh, Rocker is a great song. 
Ride On If You oh. Want a Mellow Groove, which is different for ACDC. It's just a, a chill song. But the song appreciated even more, and I'm going to say it. Have you ever had a lap dance to Squealer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's naughty. Uh, it's there's not many lyrics to the song, and I won't go there. I got to be careful on this album, so I'm out. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of all the lap dances I've had, Dan. <laughs> yeah. So this the this is the original album cover. Uh, oh no! Okay, no, I've never seen that before. So yeah. so no. now, do you appreciate this more? <laughs> no, no, I think I like the other one better. I don't get the covering up the eyes. I I don't understand. I mean, it's a nineteen seventies, uh, you know, hotel from Orange County. <laughs> um, I th- I think that has to do, or I've always thought it as being, you know, because the the song "Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap" is basically talking about, um, you know, murder for hire. So yeah. my interpretation always was that these were people that were lining up to hire them to commit the act. So their identities are being covered so as to not get in trouble. Uh, the lyrics of the song are phenomenal, you know. Right. They don't write them like that anymore. It's, yeah, and it follows a story. It's great. Yeah, and uh, so if you ever check out the graphic that I use for the VMR podcast exclusively on Patreon, <laughs> um, I, I kind of glom that from uh, ACDC, huh. but there you go. And back right. then, that was so controversial. That's why they didn't release that Australian version in the U.S. That the radio stations didn't want Dirty Deeds on U.S. radio. Wow. Can but, you put you know, that back they, up? They, uh, but then the ACDC made, became so popular that in 81, they changed their tune and released it with the new cover and different track listing. Like this one had Jailbreak on it. Yep. Jailbreak. Okay. Yeah, because Jailbreak the EP didn't officially get released until Letter and uh, excuse me, October until, Yeah, after for those about to rock. That's or right, eighty four. So it's after after flick of the switch. Okay, interesting. So I wonder if that was kind of a knee jerk reaction to. You know, for those about to rock, not being as big as Back in Black and. You know, flick of the switch even being less, you know, selling even less. So they went That's back. That's point you were making right there. Yeah. Dirty Deeds probably took a lot of those sales away from for those about to rock. Yeah, could be. But um, for those about to rock, still went what platinum, didn't it? Oh Got yeah, two million still, copies at least, and probably way more than that now. Uh, for those about to rock. Five times platinum in Australia, gold in Austria, platinum in France, platinum in Switzerland, gold in the UK, and four times platinum in the US. Not too shabby. Yeah, flick of the switch, three, uh, well, just platinum. Actually, everything is platinum again up until Razor's Edge, which was five times platinum. See, so that's... Razor's Edge is 
Um, yeah, there's there's only there's only four or five of these that have outsold Razor's Edge in the states. Brad, are you going to give Squealer another listen to tonight on uh, Yarg Metal and uh, listen to what the lyrics are saying in the song? Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. you're going to like it a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> and that bass line, we can do that bass line. It's pretty simple, but hey, somebody ought to come up with that. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. All right. On Yarg Metal. There you go. At four. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've pronounced this album correctly or not, because as a kid, now let me find it. Oh shit. I didn't upload it. Hold on. Is it voltage? Is that what your problem is? (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, I did upload it. Power, powerage. Dumbass! I'm looking in in the wrong spot. Yeah, I as a kid I would say Power Age, and then I interviewed Jesse Fink, who wrote the book The Youngs, and he would say Power Age. Power Age. So, Jeremy, how'd you always said Power Age? Jeremy, how'd you pronounce this in the UK? Yeah, we we always used to say Power Age, as in. You know, the powerage coming out of your socket. Wow. Okay. See, because that's not a word that's said in the states when referring to that. So. Yeah, I think it's probably a bit of a play on words, though, as well, so that you can sort of say it either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um. All right. So again, this is one that I didn't realize that came out right before Highway to Hell. Um, it is number four here on the list. And again, let's see this one. This one only went platinum after let there be rock went double. But again, you know, this is an album that a lot of people will tell you it's their favorite album. It has. a Well, like we said before, how many, how many songs aren't on here? Or how many songs are on? Jesus. How many albums of theirs don't have at least one or two songs that people don't love? So you have uh, Rock and Roll Damnation. You have Riff Raff, which was also a pretty well-known song. Sin City, obviously. Gone Shootin'. Which, by the way, Gone Shootin', I still play that on uh, Yard Metal with Jeremy introducing it. Oh, wow. Look at that. (laughs) It's that good. That yeah, I love that song. <laughs> I need more. Jer- I need more Jeremy on Yard Metal. And if you need a little bit of a hit to get yourself pumped up and get going out the door, you put "Kicked in the Teeth" again. God damn it! It's so good, yep. loud yep. and long and heavy, and mm. it just—it's exciting. It just hits you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jeremy, why did, why does this album stand out to you? Because obviously you pick. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah I I picked it as my number two and actually made a slight mistake because I think it's actually their best album that, that they've ever done. The reason I think it's their best album is that there's not a you know not a filler on it, so mm-hmm. you could just jump into any song and you'll really enjoy any single song on it. Um, I think that 
they never quite matched the quality of it, to be honest, overall as a, as you know, an album mm. in, in its entirety. Obviously, there were great songs of Back in Black and Highway to Hell. We're going to talk about those in a minute. Um, but I think it's it's worn well as well. I mean, it came out in 78. Um, so, you know, it's quite a long time ago. Mm. There was obviously a bit of a controversy a little bit about it, about how the maybe the guitars were very, just slightly out of tune. Um, because it was kind of recorded live in the studio. Um, but I think it sounds all the better for it. You know, it's a proper rock and roll band doing proper rock and roll songs. And, you know, you could probably pick seven or eight songs off this album and play them live, and it's a greatest hits album. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. That's the best yeah. data right there. That's my number one. Jeremy's got <laughs> Down, down payment blues. Awesome. You know, you know, it's funny you talk about guitars being out of tune because when I, I had to learn some of the old ACDC songs, none of them are tuned correctly. None of them are mm-hmm. 440. They're all they're all like, so I know mm-hmm. I know how they did this. They went in the studio and it's kind of like, well, whoever, let's all tune to Angus or let's all tune to Malcolm and whatever. You know, this is before tuners. So... Mm. I mean, back in those days, we used to use a pitchfork to tune. And yeah. whatever venue we were playing, we'd go into the bathroom because it had the best acoustics. And uh, so we'd hit that tuning fork, and it would just reverberate and fill the bathroom. And then we'd all – it was an A, A440. So we'd all hit get the A just right and then uh, go go from there. But, uh, yeah, before tuners. So, yeah, ACDC, they didn't use a pitchfork. They just – or a pitchfork, a tuning fork. They probably use a pitchfork. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure there were plenty of people that used pitchforks when they uh, burned their albums. <laughs> but um, yeah, blow up your album. Okay. Anyone cool. else want to mention something about Powerage? I still, if if gun shooting comes on, I can't turn it off, Jeremy. I got to wait till the very very end of it. <laughs> Like I, I'm just, uh, it's good. It's it warms my heart every time I hear it because I think of you. So look at that. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting all emotional here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great song. It is. It's great. All right. So at number three, ooh, ooh. will number? Th- do you guys think that number three will be a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> well, we gotta have voltage in there, right? This, this was, this was uh, close. This was voltage. close all the, the way up until the end, and then the last few people voted, and it just kind of slipped away. But uh, not because of me. At number three, high voltage. Yeah. This this also, I mean, when people told me that this was hard for them, I mean, just look at what songs are on this as well. We just mentioned for Power Age what was on there, but uh, this has, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Uh, the Jack, Livewire, TNT. Um... I, this is the blueprint right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and the song High Voltage, which was then um, a syndicated show, uh, which I would 
here out of New York. And what's interesting is there's technically two different albums called High Voltage. Mm -hmm. Because that's the, the American version. If you ever see a copy of that Australian version when you're out record shopping, you buy that because it's worth some money. Yeah, uh, it's not easy to get. I wish up. I I bought it in uh, back in the day. I actually had a copy of it. It was in my local record store, and I bought an import version of it. I do yeah. not have it any longer. Wow, that's too oh, bad. Man. Did did, yeah. did you purposely get rid of that or no? Uh, I cannot remember what happened to it, to be honest. In the old days, I suppose, you know, when final was going out of fashion, we kind of swapped records and got rid of records. And yeah. we didn't think, you know, it'd be worth anything or, you know, we right. probably just wanted to get rid of stuff. And, yeah, it's a real shame. I luckily do have one copy, although the cover's kind of bad, so it's not worth that much, but I'm just glad to have it. And because, you know, the track list on that album is way different. There's only yeah. maybe three songs that are the same between the two hmm. and a lot yeah. of the songs that are on jailbreak 74 right. are on this original uh high voltage which they released in february of 75 i think yeah there's two songs that are on the international version which are she's got balls and little over lover yeah uh, baby, please don't go soul stripper and you ain't got a hold on me and show business would later be included on the 74 jailbreak EP and then stick around and love song were never released until the, uh, backtracks 2009 mm -hmm. box set. So, uh, so once again, bond with the lyrics and the song, little lover, he sings about a wet spot and he goes, was it Coca-Cola? I love it. It's a little innuendo. Uh, it's a nice feel. The, the lyrics are one of the greatest at that. God. He's, and he has little inflections of his voice when he wanted to say something. And they just leave it in. It's so good. Uh, I covered it in a band TNT. I sang it. Uh, this is one of my best albums of, of ACDC of all time. If you need that feel for old Bon Scott uh, ACDC. Adrian, go ahead. Uh, I I love this album and the part of TNT. Uh, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. It's also a good song. I would put, if I was to make a movie, that would be one of uh, the songs I would put. It's it's a long way to the top if you, if you want to rock and roll? Yes. Okay. Roman. There Gar are so many bands out there that use that for their intro tape. Yeah. This. Yeah. Go ahead. I I think that that's a, a testament though to what that song refers to uh, in the business in, in entertainment as a whole. You know, you you need to work it if you want to get there. Yep. So. Uh, also, sometimes you might see there's that album called TNT. Right. And that has a lot of the songs that are on high voltage. So it's like they took TNT and high voltage and kind of selected the tracks they wanted, made the U.S. version. And, and that's interesting. I wonder if that was them or if it was the label or what. Who yeah. ultimately decided it, you know, there was an Australia release as an Australian version, just different uh, labels at the time. 
and how they wanted to work it and get it into the U.S. as the mainstream to sell more records. Gotcha. Okay. Roman, go ahead. Um, this used to be my favorite album from ACDC mm-hmm. because of TNT. Yeah. Good choice. You have played TNT quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Victor has told the story many times of him having to say, okay, that's enough. And I love that. <laughs> because when I was young, I played albums over and over. And I think my parents would say, okay, that's enough. yeah like i said there's there's um there are songs that are in the hundreds on my uh, apple music so okay so jeremy jeremy is saying that uh tnt was the one that he had all right cool all right so at number two the big question. There's two albums left. Which album? Let's see. Which album do you guys think is next? Which album do you guys think got to number two? It's Highway. Jeremy, Jeremy Highway. which one do you think is number two? I think number two is Back in Black. Dan? Highway. Johan? Uh, Back in Black. Ed? I say highway, but you guys continually surprise me. <laughs> Every time. Brad? Uh, I'm going to go back in black for number two, Bob. Adrian? No, come on. <laughs> black and black. Black and black at number two. Okay. <laughs> Roman? Um, I don't know. Maybe back in black. All right. At number two, by only seven points, separating two and one. Number two, let me get the right cover here, is Highway to Hell. Oh, no. Uh. <laughs> Uh, Roman, go ahead. I'm wearing a shirt with the... Uh, Stand up. Okay. There it is. Yeah. Highway to Hell. All right. Who wants to mention something about Highway to Hell? It was the first album that I ever bought by ACDC. They were the, the, that was the album that got me into the band, really. Uh, they were on top of the pops in the UK a lot in that at that time and they were playing you know the the singles off it I remember touch too much on top of the pops really good song um and obviously highway to hell the title track uh it's just a fantastic album i mean it, they were at the peak of their game obviously they just released parridge as well which i just talked about um and they follow it up with a, an album like like highway to hell incredible the production on it is brilliant it still sounds brilliant today as it did back then uh, and this was 1979. I mean, it's it's a hell of a long time ago, um, mm-hmm. and it probably you know got all all of my friends into ACDC at that time. And and we'll talk about you know the what happened after that in a minute. But um, you know, it wouldn't wouldn't have surprised me if it was number one. Um, 
wouldn't surprise me, you know, three or four of these albums would be number one. Just right. a great album. Yeah, this is the f- the first album with Mutt Lang. Up up yeah. until now, their older brother George Young was uh, w- had had a hand in the production or the engineering of everything they had done. So this was this was the switch over to uh, to Mutt Lang, and he brought a different sound. And I remember the first time that I got this album you know, that I got to listen to this album and thinking, wow, you know, I've heard a lot of these songs on the radio over the years, but never heard them back to back like this. And just thought about how massive this album was, you know, from the title track to girls got rhythm to walk all over you to touch too much, uh, shot down in flames, got played quite a bit. If you want blood, obviously. And, uh, and and the song that became infamous thanks to uh, Richard Ramirez, Night Prowler. So, uh, just a just a huge album. Yeah, Shot Down in Flames was another one that we played as a band. It's a simple four chords. Uh, it's a groover. It doesn't get enough attention. Every once in a while, it still makes it on the radio. And yeah, that that Richard Ramirez, he really screwed us up. That was in my LA uh, area scared the hell out of us at the time. And we thought he was out there and they put out that night prowler song and it, it really hit, put the whole thing into what was going on at the time. We closed up our windows. Uh, it was scary. I can, I can only imagine I've seen the, uh, Netflix documentary with, um, uh, I don't remember if it was solely about him or not, but it was, no, it's about the hotel that he stayed in. Yeah. But he was a scary dude, and uh, thankfully he's dead. But to use that song as his backing track, and then they played on the radio, and, you know, it's kind of like, you watch out, everybody. You know, he's out there somewhere, and he's sneaking into your windows. Yeah. He he took the whole thing on. That was a real deal in Los Angeles. Yeah. Adrian, go ahead. Ah. Um, I love this album, and I don't know... What song is better between That's Too Much and Highway to Hair? Because That's Too Much, I put this album higher than Back in Black. Because of Touch Too Much, okay. It's a great song. Go ahead, Roman. One time in school when they were showing us a tour of, um, I think it was middle school. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, we went to music class to see what we, uh, what they were doing, and they were playing Highway to Hell. Yeah, there were kids actually playing the song. It wasn't that they were playing the original song. There were kids in, in that classroom that were playing Highway to Hell for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat all onto itself. Uh, anyone else want to mention something about Highway to Hell? All right. So we're going to get on to number one. No secret as to what's left. Uh, but uh, real quickly here, let's just count everything down before getting to one. 16, Rocker Bust. Black Ice at 15. Stiff Upper Lip, 14. Lie on the wall, 13. Blow up your video, 
12. Ball breaker, 11. Flick of the switch, 10. Razor's edge, 9. Power up, 8. For those about to rock, 7. Uh, let there be rock, 6. Dirty Deeds, 5. Power Age, 4. High Voltage, 3. Highway to Hell, 2. And making the top 10 an even split of five albums by Bon Scott and five albums by Brian Johnson. <laughs> Number one is Back in Black. It is no secret that this is one of the biggest selling albums of all time. This was my introduction to, and I'm trying to think if I knew Highway to Hell or, um, uh, or Dirty Deeds before this, but my brother bought Black, uh, Back in Black. <laughs> and, uh, and it's it's an album that we've had since uh, since the seventies at home, obviously since it came out seventies or eighties. This came out in eighty or seventy nine. Eighty. Eighty. Okay, my bad. Live eighty. So we've had it since eighty, and it's really been part of the soundtrack of my life since then. To me, this is a perfect album, beginning to end. It is. Uh, I I, I should have gotten the quote that. Charlie Benante said when I interviewed him about this album, and he said that the reason that ACDC has never released the greatest hits album is because they recorded Back in Black, <laughs> is what he said to me. Um, th this album is is huge. We talked about the the lyrics to um, "Let Me Put My Love Into You," a ballad, which if you. Research the lyrics is crude as all hell, but it works. <laughs> um, and I mentioned Jesse Fink before. Jesse Fink wrote wrote the book on the on the Youngs, and he feels that with his research, that there are several songs off of this album that were written by Bon Scott. Mm. He th he thinks that. That song specifically, and he said, "You shook me all night, all night long." He feels were specifically written by Bon, just by how the lyrics are, how they're again, they're they're not as straightforward and and crude as some of Brian's lyrics. They're a lot more clever when it comes to the uh, sexual innuendo that that's being discussed during the lyrics. So we'll probably never know because I don't think Angus Young will ever write a book on that. Uh, Brian Johnson does not like Jesse Fink at all <laughs> because of this. There were spats going back and forth on the internet due to, uh, due to some of the stuff in, in his book, which Brian retorted in his own book. But, uh, anyway, um, the music. The music is what is important here. Uh, 
who wants to talk on back in black. Let's see, Adrian. Uh, yeah, I like this song and I rem- and if and if it wasn't for give the doggy a bone, it um it it wouldn't be my top three and no most um number two. Okay. So just because of giving the dog a bone, it's your number three. Yes. Okay. Cool. Going with a deep cut. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, is that a pun there? What, why is that? <laughs> Did we ever said it Jeremy got it. Thanks, Jeremy. Okay. <laughs> this is why Jeremy and I need to hang out. Yeah. Roman, go ahead. Um, I really like this album. I really like most of the songs. Um, and I don't know why I didn't put um, Back and Black higher in the list. Because... I really like all of the uh, most of the songs. Yeah, this was what your number three. Yes. Well, but that's that's a good problem to have. Is that if a discography is so good that you can flip flop any one of these albums, you know that means that the that it's a great band. That the band is connected with you. The band is spoken to you, and and you can again you know, switch between this or, or, or any, or power age or what was your number one? Oh, power up. <laughs> power up. So awesome. Dan, I see that you've got the, your mic uh, loaded there. Yeah. So I've discussed this. I've said this before. Do you remember where I was when the album came out? And this is also another one that I know the day it came out. So tragically bond Scott had died before this album came out and that would had made the news and people weren't sure at the time of what ACDC was going to be. There wasn't advanced release copies of anything like that. So I know what happened the day that it came out is my neighbor got it on the album and he put it on and he opened all of his windows as we used to do back in the day to brag of what you got. And he turned it up as loud as he could. And it gives me goosebumps now, the opening riff to Back in Black with all that and he was screaming his head off inside of the house of how amazing this album, Black and Black, is. He couldn't believe it. And, we, and, and then I heard it from my lawn outside going, oh, my God, they've done it. They've, they've captured the magic. This is amazing. You know, we, we didn't know if, if ACDC was going to die, you know, with uh, Brian or, or what's going to happen. But here it was. So, you know, I can still picture today. But going on to great lyrics and great songs on this album, Shake a Leg is one of my favorite. It's high energy. Mm-hmm. And in the lyrics, he says, uh, big licks, skin flicks, tricky <laughs> dicks are my chemistry. I love that. Where does he come up with that? Every time he does that, I, I turn that up a little bit louder. That song is so awesome. Yeah. There, there, you just brought up a good point with your neighbor, though. Because although Back in Black is the first song on side two, how many people would play this album side two first and then side one? Just because the one-two punch on side two was Back in Black and You Shook Me All Night Long. Uh, because I know for, for us, th- there were times where we would play it that way. 
Yeah, it, it was side. It was track one, side one. I but um, I just remember the, the hearing that come in because it sounds starts off low, but it was magical. I've got my. Oh, sorry, come on, Brad. No, no, no. You're you're on a roll. Go. No, I was just going to say uh, I've got my original copy, and the track listing is different on the back to the way it plays as well. Uh, and I just wondered whether they made some last-minute changes. I think they made a mistake. Really, I think they should have opened it back in black and uh, not not had Hell's Bells as the as the very first trap because obviously that's what they were doing they were coming back in black uh so for me yeah it was it's not their best album either but it's certainly the most important acdc album of all time you know it's not the best because there are there's a few fillers on this album really when you think about it and it, it, if you listen to it i know you're going to disagree because some of you think it's magnificent um but it's for me, it's not their best. Uh, you know, some of it sounds a little bit tired now, but they. But for me, it is the most important album because of what happened and what Dan was saying. Uh, you know, I remember the day when Bon Scott died, and I remember thinking that ACDC were finished, and you know they had to come back in some sort of fashion, and we weren't sure what Brian Johnson would be like, and we didn't have internet in those days. And I'd like to ask Roman, how old are you? Uh, Twelve. Okay, so I was a year older than you. I was a year older than you when this album came out. I was thirteen years old, uh, and it hit me like a hammer. It was so good at the time. So you know, you just have to sort of think back to when it came out. Really, the the order of the songs, just so you know, that was a a thing that they would do back then, because Van Halen's nineteen eighty four is the same exact thing. Kisses Dynasty, yes is. 90125, they all have the songs on the back, but in a different order. For some mm. reason, that's what labels were were doing in the end of the 70s, early 80s. So not sure why. Um, Brad, go ahead. Yeah, um, and you guys probably aren't gonna believe this, but I have never listened to this album uh until this last week. And <clears throat> And I got to say, I was shocked that it didn't start off because I just, you know, I was I was streaming it. So it's not like I was looking at a, a track list or anything. And when I put it on, I expected Back in Black to be the first song. And I was like, holy crap. Oh, but I kind of get it. The Hell's Bells thing. Uh, but it would have. And then I, and then I, I totally got the side one and side two. Um, so when Back in Black came on, I go, OK, this is side two. And I, I actually think it's kind of cool that they did it that way and uh, kind of saved the, you know, that for side, side two. Uh, also, the, the interesting thing, never having listened to the album before, is that I knew every single song on this album. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I was like, wow, how, how is it I've heard every single song on this album before without ever listening to the album? That, that just goes to show you the power of this album and how it's just everywhere. It's ubiquitous. Um, I also have thought about, you know, because because I listen to everything in order coming from Highway to Hell and going into this. And, I, and I'm thinking, you know, as a band trying to deal with the loss of a huge part of the band and the shoes that Brian Johnson was feeling filling here. He did he did an unbelievable job. I mean, he didn't sound anything like Bond. But yet the band sounded like ACDC. It's not like this doesn't sound like ACDC. It's not like, okay, you, you use the Van Halen thing. When Sammy Hager came in there, it was like, mm, this isn't Van Halen. 
you know, this was definitely ACDC. And, and it, yeah, they picked the, they picked the right guy. I mean, you think about all the other names that were out there for, you know, possibly filling uh, Bond shoes and they, they picked the right guy. Uh, Brian did an unbelievable job. So good on him. Johan back in black. Hello, Johan. Yes. Back in black. Uh, yeah. Good album. Not my favorite, but Shut Down in Flames is... Great song. Yeah. That's Highway to Hell, though. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no. Okay. Shoot the Thrill. Shoot Sorry. The yeah. yeah. Uh, I- See, I knew I knew what you meant, Johan. I knew yeah. exactly the song you were going for there, and yeah. that's one of my favorite ACDC songs. So that's the best second song on a concert ever made. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a good album, but uh, you know uh, it's not my favorite, but absolutely great album. It's like British Steel, you know, for Judas Priest. It's like. We heard it overplayed and yeah, that's sure. Very important album. Cool. Ed? I, I think it's perfect. Every note, every lick, every, the track listing, the order, everything is awesome. This was my introduction to ACDC mainly because everybody had it. Um, so I had, you know, like my best friend, I was able to get my hands on his copy and snuck it home. And anytime my parents weren't around, you know, I would put that on and listen to as much as I could. And, uh, man, just, yeah, I just, I can't, I, I've never heard anything so amazing, uh, especially the song Hell's Bells. I think that's one of the greatest rock songs ever. Although Hell's Bells would always, out me because my mom kind of caught on to the bell sound and you know, <laughs> the title of the song freaks them out. It wasn't church. I, this is probably the album that I bought the most, you know, having to, having it taken away. And then after I got some more money from mowing the yard, sneak back over to the mall and, you know, buy a cassette tape and sneak it back in. That's awesome. And I just, I love this rap. I'm, I love the, that metal Dan mentioned, uh, um, sh- uh, shake a leg. Yeah, man, right. so much energy in that song. It's just uh, so. It, I would love to see that one played live someday. I know that. Actually, that's one tune that uh, sometimes critics don't give much love on that record, and I don't understand why. Uh, that's a that's a song they could easily put put in their regular set list, and it would be a hit. I th- I think that the four songs that don't get the the same attention as the rest, which is basically uh, what do you do for money, honey, giving giving the dog a bone, have a drink on me, and and shake a leg, and even have a drink on me got played a decent amount on U.S. radio. Yeah. But the other three are, are kind of. They're 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 like hidden gems. I think they're as good as the other tracks, 
Um, and, and a lot of times because the album has been played so much, I'll just focus on those songs because they get me in that mood that this album normally does, uh, without having to go into some of the songs that we've heard a million times. But yeah, I mean, the listening to hell's bells, I remember for the first time is just, what is this? You know, is this supposed to be evil? Is it supposed to be church? Is it, I mean, what's, what's going on here, you know? So. And also we have to acknowledge the greatness of Angus and his guitar solos. Mm-hmm. I mean, every one of those solos I can sing in my head right now. They're so memorable. Um, it's, it's just amazing how that whole band has been able to take, you know, Chuck Berry rock and roll and then write so many songs over and over, albums after album <laughs> songs that are all memorable. Yeah. And uh, it's just, and, and that includes his guitar solos. Uh, it's just, it's amazing what they've been able to do as a, as a band. And that's what uh, Angus would warble when he speaks that you can barely understand him, but he'd credit Chuck Berry and he does that Chuck mm-hmm. Berry duck walk when he does it. They're just right. totally influenced by it, and they took it to another level. And he was my guitar hero, Angus Young, when I'm 13, 14 years old, when I would see footage of him and his energy. Uh, you know, it was Ace Fraley up until I learned about Angus Young. And, you know, his energy just completely, it perfectly matches that of the 14-year-old kid that's angry and bouncing off the walls and wants to rock and roll and have yeah. fun. And, uh, and now and I look in the background and I see uh, Malcolm and now I'm more of a Malcolm person where he's just holding yeah. that groove and having a good time. You know, he must have enjoyed what he was doing live every night. Even oh, though yeah. he was the backup to Angus, he gets so much credit now, more than he's ever. Well, he, he wasn't the backup. Do you know, do you know why, uh, why Malcolm chose well, to not play solos? No, go ahead. Yeah, so he realized that if Angus was the only one doing a guitar solo, that meant that he could go behind the amps and have a beer while his mm-hmm. brother was soloing. So that's early on. He decided, yeah, I don't, I don't want to solo. I'd prefer to drink a beer. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I used to read in the magazines that Angus would run an average of four miles, uh, of, uh, you know, back and forth on the stage, every concert. Not, really? not, not surprising. He was both punk and rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, I had a um, a basketball player who uh, injured her ankle, and she was doing the duck walk to get to one of the other <laughs> gyms where we were playing. And I said, I told her, I said, "Who do you think you are, Angus Young?" I had to explain the the reference to her. At least she understood it. So, yeah, I love those interviews with uh, the Young brothers, and they're they're wrapped in their towels after a show. They're drinking tea. <laughs> I don't, you know, uh, you can kind of barely understand them. They got the the smokes. Uh, they were something. They're amazing. Yep. So here, who here has seen the earliest ACDC concert? Ooh. Brad, have That's you not, been to an ACDC no, concert? No, I've never, I've never seen even to the record, which is one of the stranger things I've heard somebody say. Yeah, I'm out on this one, so. It's not me. I, I saw them with... Uh, Queensryche on the warning tour so that was probably 85 I think was my first time so fly 86. on the wall uh, 84 so 
but I'm I don't I don't I don't go back. I've never seen Bond. I'm not that old. What about you, Jeremy? First time? No, first time I ever saw them was 2008 on the Black Ice okay. Tour. Wow, you win, Metal Dan. I I didn't even try, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> them so much, and I don't know why I didn't go see them more often. There was just a always just a big rock show, you know. So there was always a stadium. Is is just a big place to see them. You you could always just go uh, out in the desert, pay a uh, million dollars to see them in two weeks or whenever. All it takes is money. I, I know, honey. Yeah, I'm doing it. Oh. Awesome. So I want to thank Brad, Ed, Johan, Roman, Adrian, Metal Dan, and the problem child himself, Mr. Patron's pick, Jeremy Weltman. But his mother loves him. Absolutely. <laughs> who, who doesn't love Jeremy? That's my question. Uh, anyway. Thanks all of you guys for being here. Thanks anyone who is listening or watching the replay of this. Thank you. Is that that Tony that just commented? Um, No, that's uh, Jose. Thank you, Jose and Tony for being in the chat. And um, thanks as always. Go to signalsfromars.com for more information on the podcast to check out the full list. There's Tony. And to let us know. On social media, drop us a line. Let us know what you think about the top 10. Did your favorite make it? Or like Jeremy, do you not like Back in Black? What? Jeremy's not going to go to sleep tonight. (laughs) I fully expected him to have a Johan moment where he's yelling and screaming at us. (laughs) He was close. He was close. (laughs) On that note, folks, we will see you next time right here on the signals from Mars live stream and podcast see you folks thank you for listening to the signals from Mars podcast you can subscribe to the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to signalsfrommars.com for more information. This concludes our show. 